Welcome to the Property Nomads podcast and the last episode in this Women in Business series. And yes, this is coinciding with International Women's Day as well. And today's guest is, is a blockbuster. Really looking forward to having this conversation. She has built up multiple uh, businesses, million pound businesses plus, had dinner with the UK Prime Minister, has won so many awards, uh, both nationally and internationally, public speaker, has her own podcast as well. I mean, there's nothing I can't say really, uh, you know, that won't uh, do justice. So here we are, Liv Conlon. Thank you very much for taking your time out uh, to do this. Hi. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. No, I'm excited to be here. Obviously, the property industry is where I built my very first business. So yeah, glad just to speak with the community and, and, and have a chat with you. Really looking forward to this. And as I said, we've got a dual aspect here is it's as part of a women in business series and you know, of course it's just coincides with coming out on International Women's Day as well. So I apologize if sort of some of my questions are overly probing, but you know, some of the topics I imagine we go through is stuff that I would not have experienced. Um also Fact, you also uh, have one UK Young Entrepreneur of the Year. I mean, your accolade list is is absolutely huge. And rather than me just read it off and sound like a boring book, I mean, please do give some background uh, of, of where you are now and where you started. And yeah, crack on with, with what we want to say because there's so much to go through. Yeah. Yeah. So my journey's been, it's not been the longest journey, but it certainly has felt like it. So when I was in school at 16, I basically had the grades to do whatever I wanted at university, but I knew that that wasn't a path for me. Like I didn't take direction very well. I hated school. I was badly bullied there. And I just thought like, I don't want to go on to further education and sort of repeat this process. So for me, like starting a business was like the only thing I was ever destined to do. I started my very first business when I was 13, selling things on eBay and, you know, wheeling and dealing. So I knew that when I was 16, I was going to leave and I was going to do something. I'm at that time, you know, I told the careers office, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to go and start this interior design business, um, which ultimately was home staging. One, they didn't even know what it was. And then secondly, they were like, I think you're going to ruin your life. Like you should be a doctor, a lawyer, like what are you doing? But I knew that this business was for me because, you know, my mom had been involved in property and she bought a property that was on the market for three months and it wasn't selling, it was empty. And I'd heard of this concept called homestaging, which is pretty big in the US, but in the UK at that point, no one was really doing it. So I thought, why don't we stage the property um, and see what happens? So we staged it, it sold within three days above the valuation. And I realized like, actually this is a service that so many other property investors need. Why don't I start to supply it? I'm really good at it. And I could make a go of it. So I left school at 16, started the property stagers. And yeah, by the time I was 19, we'd hit a million pounds a year in turnover. And yeah, we were just, we were probably growing into the UK's largest company that offered that service on a commercial basis. So it was a, a quick journey. Um, but yeah, there was, there was many challenges throughout that. Um, I'm now 22 and still have that business amongst other ones too. Uh, incredible, incredible start there. And of course, that's led you to, you know, having numerous multiple awards, speaking internationally. And, you know, obviously that works hand in hand with travel as well. I mean, is there any, when you started out at any point, was it, was this the plan or was this just, let's see what happens and one thing's led to another and here we are today? 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. I'm one that I'm not, actually not been asked too often, so I love it. Um, it was never in my sort of goals to like become the UK Entrepreneur of the Year, and I didn't actually envisage it would all happen so quickly. I mean, I first sat down, I think it was back in 2017 or 2016, I sat down, I put out my goals of what I wanted to achieve, and in my second year in business, I wanted to turn over £40,000. And that was the year we hit a million. So you can imagine that what my goals were and then what actually happened in reality. I mean, it was a mixture of like 18 hour days, seven days a week and extreme hard work. But it was also a mixture of hitting a service at the right time and being able to market it in the correct way. So is it fair to say that there is, uh, of course, the hard work is the hard work. We've got to put the hours in and do it. So you say there's a, li- there's a little bit of luck there in terms of the timing of the product and the service and the market. Yeah, I'd say there was a little bit of luck there. I think everybody that that makes it successfully has just that tiny element. I think it's being able to identify it as being the right thing to be doing and then being able to take the leap into it because, I mean, it wasn't easy, as we're going to talk about today, being in a male-dominated industry as a 17-year-old. Um, so, yeah, it was it was challenging, but I was up for the challenge and I had this like fire in my stomach that was just not going to let me give up. And it also helps when a story such as yours has been, you know, you get featured in you know, BBC News, lots of BBC stuff, and it's led to you with, you know, having quite big contracts with M&S, Dunelm, Argos. I mean, that's quite a formidable thing. Um, how did the break with the BBC come about out of interest? Yeah, I mean, so I've my story caught fire pretty quickly because what I'd achieved by a young age and... To be honest, age was something I was never that comfortable talking about. I felt very embarrassed to tell people I was in my teens. I probably lied about it a little bit too often until it was found out that I was only at the time 18. Um, Because it was something I felt very insecure about, that people wouldn't want to work with me if they found out my age, even though my age was not in any correlation with my ability to actually deliver. Um, So when I actually started to share my story, I won my very first award. 12 months later, we had won another 10 um, so it was really, the power was sharing with people my story, my journey, actually the fact I had done this by a certain age, I'd overcome a lot of personal challenges as well, but that was really what the press looked for. They look for someone that has done the extraordinary um, and they have a good story. So to be honest, it was just a little bit about being myself. It wasn't like any massive marketing technique. Um, But yeah, I mean, when you do things like that, it does catch the attention of big brands and what you're talking about there with Argos and Sainsbury's, Danelm, M&S, that was actually for one of my charity events where we staged 100 temporary accommodations over Christmas. So when you actually start to harness the power of the media, you can use it in such good ways to help people as well. And uh, not to focus on age, I mean, I suppose it's difficult in this situation not to, uh, you know, focus a bit a bit on age in terms of growing the business from strength to strength uh, was that something that you had a mentor for or I mean did you surround yourself with good people did you get told to do that or was it just yourself and building a team and you know that's it and going from there yeah I mean another great question for me like I've always tried to surround myself with really successful people since I left school at that point I realized that like this is what I've got to do I need to get myself around mentors and even people online that are gonna inspire me to wake up every day and be my best self I'm so I was taking like inspiration from 
all the big business gurus such as Tony Robbins. I went to his business mastery event. And yeah, I had some more personal mentors as well that were more in the property industry that definitely, yeah, put the ladders down and helped me up. My mom was also like such a big inspiration to me. Um, She had her own business when I was growing up. And then when I was 18, she left her business to join mine. So we worked together every day. So I think that alone was a really nice connection to have there, like a partnership where she could bring a bit more experience as she's a bit older. And then I could bring a bit more youthfulness, social media, and a a fresher perspective. So I would say that she definitely helped me along the way. But I think looking for mentorship and looking for someone that can pass you down that roadmap and say, this is where you've got to go. These are the steps. It's invaluable. And I probably spend about six figures a year right now and investing in that type of mentorship. It's important to surround yourself with key people without a shadow of a doubt because the information that gets passed down is you know, invaluable. And you say Tony Robbins is, is a fantastic example of that. And you know, there's many people within you know, the property sphere and, and generic business sphere as yeah. well. I mean, going to where you are nowadays, obviously you've got podcasts, a lot of other things going on. So but before we go into sort of, you know, male, female, you know, aspects of, of things. Uh, what's next in line for yourself, your businesses? Any particular plan of action moving forward? Yeah, so what's interesting is I used to be really involved in the home staging side of things. I mean, I used to be the person that used to go and stage the property, whereas now I get to work a lot more on that business, the vision. I'm looking to license that brand, so we're going to be licensing that throughout the UK. Um, so I'm much more involved in the visionary marketing type thing, which is totally where my skills lie. Um, but then also like I'm super invested in working on my personal brand and doing that. So in uh, well, my book, uh, Too Big for Your Boots, I wrote the book in lockdown and it's really a step-by-step guide on how to build a seven-figure brand. And it's particularly aimed at young people because building a brand as a young person is a completely different sort of story to when you're older in terms of how to stand out, how to use the little experience you've got and actually leverage it. Um, so yeah, the book's been such a massive thing for me. I will put a link to that in the in the show notes as well. It's no, it's no easy feat writing a book. I can tell you that as well. It's, it's not the easiest <laughs> yeah. of tasks, is it? No, I mean, I think my book's about 44,000 words and I took, well, I'm just such a weirdo. I took like six days to write it because um, I'm into like deep work. So when I put my mind to something, I'll just like block out my whole calendar. Um, so I was writing like, yeah, a good like <laughs> 8,000 words a day. I uh, love it. Same with, uh, actually, same with doing uh, travel memoirs recently during uh, first lockdown. It's it the same, getting to deep work and then you start remembering all these things or, you know, I'm going to write this, yeah. I'm going to write that. And, you know, eight or nine hours later, you're like, ooh, and you're not even tired. It's great. No, it's, I guess when you're in your flow, like you just don't get exhausted, do you? You're just like, you could just do it every day and all night, all morning. Yeah, so, so true. It's very easy. It doesn't work for everyone, though. Let's be honest. It's... No, no, it's the few and far between that I think are able to sort of get into that state. But yeah, fortunately, I've been able to train myself to do it. In terms of... International Women's Day. I pause because, again, I'll be honest, in terms of pushing boundaries, it's quite uncomfortable for me to have to ask these questions. But I'm going to ask them anyway because it's the whole point of this series. Do you think it's it's a sad state of affairs that we have to have an International Women's Day? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, we've, I, I, I'm not aware, but I don't think we have an International Man's Day. I'm not sure if we do. But it is, I mean, there is this big question posed around this type of thing, like International Women's Day. Why do we call females that are in business? Why do we, like, you know, point them out as boss babes or ghetto boss or all these different, like, sort of titles that we give ourselves? I mean, it's also pretty fitting because, you know, so few percentage of entrepreneurs are female. And it's like 60% of women don't believe they can start a business because they don't have the confidence. Um, and I think, yeah, I think those sort of t- statistics actually put this really in black and white to see that, yeah, things need to change. Like women are changing the world. I mean, Kamala Harris, we've seen some incredible things happen in the past couple of years. So I think we're definitely on the rise up, but do we need that type of day? I think every day should be International Women's Day, in my opinion. <laughs> Totally agree. I was just going to say probably, uh, if we say it's an international men's day, I think most men would probably say, oh, it's the other 364 days of the year, which again is, you know, uh, you know patronising, misogynistic, call it, call it what you will. I mean, I say that, you know, in jest, of course. In, in terms of being in such a male-dominated industry, okay, property, for people that are in property, they kind of know what's going on. But if you're not overly used to property, and there's a lot of it's one of the many industries where you know sort of men are walking around holding their cojones going oh, check out this deal i've just done oh, i've got 800 <laughs> properties what have you done this week and it's you know how big's your ego how can you massage that ego and, and that sort of stuff but i found not just in this series but from the women i've spoken to that are in property it's, it's fascinating because you just be sat around in a chat and there's and you know someone will turn around and go oh, yeah i signed yeah, signed that deal last week you know three and a half million quid and going to create like 120 apartments and you just kind of sort of you sit back and go yeah nice that's awesome because they're not always out and about on the roof <laughs> shouting about it um I mean, how yeah and again i don't want to bring age into it but you, i kind of have to starting off that young in in such a male dominated industry how how did that feel how, how did that work for you yeah, I mean, it was it was challenging. So, for example, when I first sort of came on to the property scene, I was 16. I had long hair. I, it was long, curly and blonde. And I actually cut my hair short, so I looked older, which actually worked. Um, but, yeah, I definitely felt the need that I had to sort of, yeah, look a bit older. I was always, like, I've always been a bit different, worn bright clothes, done different things. So when I kind of came onto the scene... Um, mainly around networking events in like Scotland people I think were a bit shocked to see me there and thinking she might just be someone's assistant or maybe she's here in work experience god knows what she's doing (laughs) but yeah so it was it was threatening because you know you walk into one of these events and it's mainly middle-aged men in suits and you're trying there to sort of like pierce that atmosphere and for me because I was speaking about something that is so feminine which is interiors so sofas and cushions and artwork it was quite challenging to get someone's attention when they were talking as you mentioned like I've just done 120 apartments or I've just done this or achieved this um, I think as women we also have um, yeah we, we try and dumb ourselves down a lot of the time as well so for example Um, you would walk into one of those events and be like oh I just do home staging and we play down what our actual skills are Um, and I think that's that's something we put on ourselves but something that we should try and change Um, because you know we deserve to be there as much as any man in the room 
Um, so yeah, it was challenging. Um, I think once I started to own who I was though and started to own my age, people, people started to take notice. I think it was when I was insecure about it, I made other people feel a bit uncomfortable. But I think at all points you look at yourself and you think, how could I improve? Like, how could I be more competent? And to be honest, sometimes when you're the only woman in the room or one of very few and you're totally owning who you are, you will stand out more than anyone else in the room. And that, I would imagine, comes down to sort of building a brand over time and having confidence in yourself as an individual. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I would say that obviously my confidence has grown massively. The more awards I've won, the more successful my business has been, the more I've been in the press. But none of that would have happened had I not taken action at the start. For me, the only way to build any sort of confidence with whatever it is, is taking action in what you're doing. So actually starting the business, having the clients and just doing the day in, day out tasks that it takes to move the needle. So I think it's a, it's a cycle. The more action you take, the more confidence you build. And then the more action you're taking, the more successful you become, which again, builds confidence because you have that sort of, I guess we could call it CV behind you to say, look, this is actually what I've achieved. I deserve a seat at the table. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And scream and shout about it from the rooftops as well. Cause you know, from, from the interviews that, you know, I've had, and you've probably got these experiences as well that, as you say, sometimes women can play things quite close to their chest, which, you know, yeah. not just in business, in, you know, anything always catches <laughs> off, uh, uh, you know, people off guard and, you know. It, yeah, it, I mean, one. I think, I think if you have had success, we should be able to express it in the same way that men do. I think as well, like, I mean, this is just not like put on men either. For me, like one of the biggest judgments is from other women. Now, I try and like live this every day that, you know, I want to help other women to move up, to be more successful. But definitely one of women's biggest fear is being judged by other women. And especially in an industry that's male dominated, there's quite a lot of female competition there as well. Um, so I would say that, you know, if you're female and you're listening to this, always be asking yourself, how can I actually help other women up and give them the ladder than, yeah, try and judge them or, or put them back down. So ironically, he's almost hinting that women need to get out of women's way in order to be somewhat successful or, or sorry, to become incredibly successful in, in any field of work that they do. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely champion collaboration over competition. If you are especially in a minority such as women in business, reach out and support that woman. Don't stand in their way and certainly don't put them down. Um, and I think as women, we've all experienced this and we've all experienced the, the opposite as well, someone supporting you. And when you have it from that sense, like women are an amazing tribe and I think, yeah, you need to be there to support one another. In, in terms of you know, people making flippant comments, I mean, I was, you know, sort of goes back a long time, but there's um, three of us that normally go rambling around every, every now and then. And uh, yeah, one of the guys, was asking me what you know what I thought on you know racial equality and uh, you know Black Lives Matter and stuff like that and I had to say to him look mate I'm, I'm a white middle-aged guy I do not know how that feels I I could not even begin yeah. to put myself into your shoes of how that might feel it's pointless I'm you know I'm you know regular you know regular white guy but point I'm trying to make I guess is in terms of 
comments that you might have heard, any you know harassment. I mean, I'm sure you know. Let's not beat around the bush. It, I guess it would have happened. It probably always happens. You know, any anything. Um, what sort of comments have you had given towards you, and how did those comments affect how you then worked and and your ideas and thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for me, like one of the the things that I sort of value myself is that whenever I get a knockdown or someone that has tried to, yeah, put me down or say you can't do it, it's always actually spurred me into the opposite. So in a way, I almost appreciate those comments because they do make me think, well, stuff you, I'll go and do it better and I'll go and achieve that. And I think that's, that's been me my whole life. Like, as I mentioned, I was bullied at school. Um, and that was definitely one of the driving factors for me, as well as teachers saying, look, you start a business, you're going to ruin your life. And and for me, it's a bit like, a, well, watch me. I won't do that. I'll actually do the opposite. In terms of like sort of comments and things that I've had since starting in business, not particularly just in the property industry, but in business in general. Um, I mean, you get the usual things like such as you people think you're a secretary. <laughs> people think that you probably are an assistant to a guy. Um, I get a lot of comments still from men telling me how to run my business if I want to be successful. Um, this can be from clients when, when you've quoted them saying, you know, take a thousand pounds off of that, honey, if you want to make a successful business. Um, so there's there's those things every day. And I think in a lot of ways, there's also just the way that in general that people approach you on the phone and things, um, such as you are speaking to the founder of the business and the CEO, and I think they just think you're a girl answering the phone. So I do get a bit of that. But I mean, the most powerful comment I've had so far has been at a property event. I just had an interview with the BBC about my charity event and I got into the lift and I was, I was at like, it was like a Christmas sort of do. And a woman actually, again, it was from a woman, met me in the lift and she'd seen me on, I think it was BBC TV or whatever. And she said, oh, you're Liv, right? And I was like, yep, yep. Hi, nice to meet you. And she said, oh, don't you just get too big for your boots? Like, just remember where you started. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so it was basically, again, as I mentioned, like it was sort of like a dim your light. No one wants to see it. Um, but again, that's what the book's called. So I'm really grateful to that woman. <laughs> but yeah, I think we need to be careful about how we speak to each other and how we approach things because, you know, male, female, race, gender, everything, it really doesn't matter. People are people. And I think that's the way we should view it. That's <laughs> such, a, such an odd comment, isn't it, from uh, that woman? But then again, of course, that's given you the title of the book. So it's always... Yeah, I've had, a, I've had that comment, you know, so many different ways from different people. That was the specific word she said to me. But yeah, I think there is, I mean, being from the UK as well, I'm not sure if you think this as well, Rob, but there is like this small minded mentality in a lot of people. And it's, it's like, don't forget, like, especially when you're from Scotland, like a lot of what you hear is like, don't get too big for your boots. Don't get ideas above your station. Like people like us aren't meant to have money. People like us aren't meant to be famous, all these different comments. And I think it seeps into your subconscious as well without realizing it. But I think that's where the power of surrounding yourself with successful people, that's how powerful it is. You need to be around people that are probably saying to you, come on, you can do better than this. Like you can be more successful. <laughs> 
I totally agree. It's probably not the good place to start an England versus Scotland debate because that could probably have been rolling. Oh, no, maybe not, but <laughs> I can only speak for when I grew up. <laughs> so I think that's been going on for over a thousand years now. So let's, um, let's not go Hashtag down that Hashtag freedom. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you say about the UK mentality. Uh, so true. I mean, I know that, and again, this is not about me, but I'll share my experience uh, in answer to your question of you know, getting started in property and many people, you know, sort of take the piss of the American psychology, don't they? It's like, yeah, go and do this. Yeah. You can go and be successful. Do that. You know, it's in your mind, that sort of stuff. But actually, when you really get into the nooks and crannies of it and you start thinking, holy shit, everything. I don't always agree with what the USA does, but in terms of like their can do attitude mentality, you know, the land of hopes and dreams as such, boom absolute spot on because yeah you get you get here in the uk and you know go back to that going don't get too big for your boots people get a bit of success and oh we don't we just love to see them fail or you know cock oh up yeah 100 percent. <laughs> yeah not 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 great psyche as you pointed out so totally with you on that um yeah the american way of mentality uh, you know doing things achieving whatever yeah. you want to achieve it's it's crucial in terms of in terms of like top books, you know, normally people read a couple of books and go, you know, light bulb moment. Over your time of being an entrepreneur or entrepreneuress, I don't even know. If, I don't even know how to distinguish that. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> I love with that entrepreneurs. Yep. <laughs> you can take that one's on me. That's fine. Yeah, go go ahead with that. Um, any any particular books that you've read that have gone all oh, big light bulb moment that you think you know people should go and pick up and, and read to help them. Yeah, I mean, so for me, one of the best books I've ever read is Deep Work. Um, as I was mentioning before that, like being able to tap into the way that I work in terms of, yeah, just deep work. Like I used to work 18 hour, a day, 18 hour days, seven days a week, only for the first few years of business. Do I they were necessary? They were probably most of the time, but had I read this book earlier on in my career, I feel like I would have been able to tap into like a more powerful sort of place of work. So Deep Work, um, which has been an awesome book. And then I also love the book by Brendan Bouchard. Um, and I think it's, is it the high, uh, high Performance Habits? And I think in business, there's, I mean, there's tons of amazing business books, but I really love ones that sort of challenge you personally uh, mindset wise and that book really made me look at myself and think actually do I perform as a high high performance person in every aspect of my life when it comes to fitness eating I'm you know business relationships and I realized that I was performing highly in business and probably neglecting a lot of other parts of my life so since reading that book I've tried to really put those habits into daily practice i'm not perfect and i'm not there yet i am but i think that book if you read it it will, it will definitely change your perspective talking about perfection i'm a quite i'll probably botch this quote um i think it's from american football coach vince lombardi one of the best coaches of all time he said something along the lines of perfection is impossible to achieve but if we aim for perfection we'll at least achieve excellence yeah i love that one and that's like I am like a recovering perfectionist. Like I nearly ruined my business so many times, just trying to wear all the hats, do everything myself and realize that, yeah, I will not achieve perfection. And yeah, I need to outsource. <laughs> was, there a, was there a turning point where 
that happened. I mean, I, you mentioned about working 17, 18 hour days consistently. And, you know, we've all got to put that graft in to at least get the basic building blocks up and running. But at what point did that change for you? Yeah, so my home staging business is obviously quite a physical business in terms of there's furniture to move around the country. Um, and there's quite it's quite a lot of physical labor. And for a very long time in the business, probably for the first two years, that was my job as well. Like I was literally doing everything. I was doing the quoting. I was doing the marketing. I was also sometimes physically moving the furniture. <laughs> um, and then at one point, I just realized that, look, this isn't sustainable. My mom had joined the business and I thought, if I ever want this business to be successful, and I think it was the month, we'd hit like our first 20K month. And I realized like, wow, there's so much possible here, but I'm never, ever going to get there if it's just me constantly in houses four in the morning. Like this is just not going to happen. So I think you get to that point where you finally get the full belief that this is what you should be doing. And this is going to be a life changing income. And then the, the, the switch flipped for me. And I was like, right, now I need to bring on team members to do the physical labor and to do that side of things so I can actually focus on what I'm good at. And that was always marketing. It was always speaking to people. It was always being the face of the brand. So it was that transition. And now that transition wasn't easy either. Like I've had a nightmare with finding the right team members. It's been very challenging. But when you hit the right team, for me, everything changed. Within your own organization and your own business, do you still get people that, I mean, people are going to look up to you, of course, for you know what you've done, what you've achieved. But do you still think within your team or people that have been in your team that people have kind of looked up to you and then they're not happy that they're working under a woman? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had both male and female employees in my company and I've also had like all age ranges. Um, I think for me, it's been more the age thing. Um, so for example, sometimes I'm hiring people that are double my age. So I've had employees, you know, in their forties and their fifties. And I think it's the age thing that gets them more than anything else. Um, in terms of taking direction from, a, well, probably at the time a 19, 20 year old and sort of, I guess as well, being the, the owner of the business and seeing the lifestyle and the lifestyle difference between employees and CEO, I guess you could say, um, such as you're the business owner, all the risk is on your head but you can also do things that maybe other people can't like work from abroad or do different things like go on holidays. And I think that's also been the challenge of people seeing the fact that I have this lifestyle. I have worked hard for it and I still have a lot of risk over me every day if it doesn't work. But yeah. And then as an employee, you don't have the same level of risk involved. Fair enough. That's in, it's just an interesting to get, it's just interesting yeah. sorry, to get that perception from, from the other side. Um, you mentioned about having these various sort of areas to help other women in, in business as well. Do you reckon there needs to be more of that moving forward? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was saying earlier on a podcast today as well, when you're in a space like, so when you're in property, when you're in business and you're online, you're on Facebook groups, you're on Instagram or whatever you choose to be on, sometimes it can feel like, everybody's doing it can't it it can feel like there is like the whole world is involved in property the whole world is a female entrepreneur and then actually when you look outside of that community just because you're in it it's not actually the case usually you're in such a niche group of people 
that it can feel like there's a lot. And actually, when you look at any of like the big business gurus, like your Tony Robbins, your Gary Vaynerchuk's, like there's not any, I would say there's a few, but there's not enough female leaders in that space that are really, really leading the way for another woman to look up to and say, I can do this as well. So I definitely feel there's need for more female leaders to step forward, to really shout about what they're doing, as we mentioned. And so, yeah, then pass down the ladder, I guess, as I like to say, or give the roadmap to other women how they can achieve it. Do you think there an, an ideological question here? Do you reckon there'll ever be complete parity between males and females? I don't know if in the next, I don't know, let's say a hundred years that there'll be complete parity. I don't, I don't know if I see that completely happening. I do see though already like a lot more female leaders, a lot more female entrepreneurs standing up and and you know saying it for themselves and. To be honest, it's something I'm looking to work on as well. In like 2021, I want to impact 1 million young people's lives with um, coaching and entrepreneurship. Um, and Because I, I think it is the way forward for so many people, especially like, you know, with what's happened with COVID and everything. I think we're going to see creativity being so much higher valued. And I think women are incredibly creative and we can tap into this feminine power that men can't. Yeah, it's very easy for me to just sit here and nod and go, yeah, I, I agree. And so I, I have to take your word for it. I always maintain that, you know, by, by behind every strong man is an even stronger woman. You know, it's one of those sort of cliche things. But yeah. it's, it's true. It is, it is so true. It's so true. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, men like I think to, there's two like, very there's two very unique powers that both men and women possess, and I think both genders can can touch into each one. Females definitely have the more sort of sense of being able to connect with people a lot easier than males do. But then also as women, we need that sort of masculine energy as well. That's like our go go go, where we get shit done, we achieve things, but we can also tap into that softer side as well. And that all comes down to mindset as well having that drive having that ability i mean lo- love the fact you mentioned deep work you know cal newport he's fantastic full stop yeah that book blew my mind i was like i was just shocked at what he was saying yeah he's talking about getting rid of all the distractions this and that I just, I've, I've read it a few times it's one of my favorites as well as it's on the bookshelf in terms of role models a couple more questions and we'll, we'll sort to look to wrap up in terms of role models that you've had who have been your role models in so far in your entrepreneurial career yeah so as I mentioned earlier in the podcast might sound a little bit cliche but my mum has definitely been one of my absolute role models literally in everything in life business the way she handles herself everything that she does I'm so she's I think it's really important to have a role model that's close to you as well so we work together we do everything together um so it's really great um other role models um apart from like you know the bigger figures in business i really found like a lot of role models i guess from my community as well just like you know being on a podcast is great and also hosting a podcast has been like for me one like one of my favorite things to do a lot of the time yeah we do it for brand building but i just find myself being like constantly inspired every day when i'm on a podcast interview um, and we've interviewed some incredible people. Now, my probably my biggest role model is Mark Randolph, uh, the co-founder of Netflix. He wrote the foreword to my book. Um, so Mark is like such an incredible guy. 
not only did he found like one of the most successful companies in the world, but he gives back on a daily basis. So big shout out to Mark. Yeah. <laughs> good, good stuff. That's awesome. It's, it's awesome stuff. And again, it will make the same point we've made or you've made many times. It's surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah. I mean, it's so vital and it's been in the room with people that are more successful than you. And I think that's been one of my challenges, just the ego coming out. It feels so good to be in a room where you might be the most successful person, that you've got the biggest business, the most successful one, but it really pushes you outside your comfort zone when you get in a room with people that are just like 10 times more successful than you. And I've, I've been in both situations. And I think you always want to be uh, you always want to be in a room with people that are doing 10 times what you're doing because it's only going to raise your vibrations to their level. Yeah, they, they, always, they always say if that's the aim, isn't it, is to make sure you're at sort of the, the bottom rung of the ladder in every single room that you're in. Don't be at the top of the tree. Um, yeah, uh, and it can be quite, you can feel quite insecure in those situations. You're like, oh, it's just me <laughs> with like the least successful business here. But it's one of those, like, it's one of those growing pains you need to go through. And then hopefully you get to the top of that room and then move on to the next one. Absolutely. And in terms of, in terms of that, and again, I've got to ask a question again. Does it, in that situation when you know, you're in a room full of people that are, you know, 10x in where you are at the moment do you think it helps or hinders you that you are a woman do you think people look at you differently because of your sex i think maybe if you're in one of those rooms you almost have a little bit more respect in a sense maybe it's about counterintuitive saying that but yeah it's like you've made it and you are a woman and you've had slightly more challenges maybe than males I'm, I don't particularly think if you're in a, a room with very successful people, they look at you as a gender, which I think, again, is important because I think the more successful you are, usually the more personally developed you are as well. Um, so I've certainly found that to be the case more than, yeah, the opposite. I think that's probably a great place to, to wrap up. And, and as I said off record, and I'll say to the you know people listening to this as well, I do apologize to almost a line of questioning it, ma it makes me feel uncomfortable having to ask to be fair these questions in the first place in terms of you know sexual equality things that you might have had happen to you or you know statements like that and i have i've always designed my questions to almost sound like i'm a bit dumb because you know i just yeah. want to remain humble and try and get the perspective you know that you've had of such a you know successful entrepreneur that you are and really i think what you've got lined up for you know, helping, you know, tons and tons of entrepreneurs in <laughs> moving forward. Just a million. <laughs> Just, yeah, a million entrepreneurs moving forward. It is going to be absolutely incredible. But it's probably a good place to wrap up. Uh, apart from, uh, you know, thank you for being part of this series. Um, I think it's been incredibly enjoyable to listen to yourself and understand what ticks you and keeps you going. If people want to find out more about you, how can people mm -hmm. do that? Of course. Well, thank you, of course, Rob, for hosting this episode. I know that these questions are challenging to ask, but they're also challenging to answer because, you know, as a female, I have nothing against males. I have nothing against any other females. So yeah, it's a, it's definitely a difficult conversation to host and be interviewed on. But I think it's so important that we have 
conversations that put us outside our comfort zones <laughs> and that make us talk about the issues that you know that are there and maybe some of your listeners have connected with this episode and and if you have you can find me on instagram i'm at olivia conlon and i'm pretty much at olivia conlon on all the social media platforms facebook linkedin literally anywhere you'll find me there awesome stuff and as usual we'll put those links in the show notes as well Liv, it's been a joy and a pleasure. Uh, thank you so, so much for sharing some of your top books, your top tips and, and you know, getting your views on things. And you know, what I can do is humbly, you know, wish you continued success moving forward and maybe catch each other on your podcast in due course. Yeah, perfect. I'd love to have you on. So, yeah, we'll definitely see you there. <laughs>